Good morning, everybody. So if you would turn to the book of Romans, we'll be reading from chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. I've entitled this sermon, Marks of a True Christian, because in the following section of Scripture, Paul instructs us on how we are to love and treat one another. So beginning in verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervid in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and not curse. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So keep in mind, that this was written to the church in Rome, but is also a letter to the church today. Paul gives this after he had just covered the concepts of the doctrine of grace and how we are to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church. He gives us what seems to be bullet points of ethical injunctions which are to be manifest in a Christian's life. You also notice that these points are much like those that were in the Sermon on the Mount. The first one is in verse 9. Love without dissimulation, or a love without hypocrisy, a love that is genuine. This would be the primary basis for the rest of the Scripture that we, are just, that we just read, because all of the following verses expand upon this principle. We are to have a love that is genuine and sincere, Paul devoted an entire chapter to this meaning of love when he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13, where he writes, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest is charity, which is a love in action. Here in Romans 12, we see another description of the concept of love. What God expects from us 
and it is an authentic love, not just a kindness, but a love not mixed with hypocrisy. Paul goes on here to give two statements. Abhor what is evil and cleave to that which is good. The word abhor means to regard with disgust and hatred, to regard with extreme repugnance. In the Latin, it would mean to shrink back from in horror or dread. Abhor is one of the strongest words for hatred you'll find anywhere in the Bible. We are not only to dislike the things that are, are evil, but we are to loathe them and despise them. We should abhor evil. We should see evil as an unveiled assault on the character and sovereignty of God. Evil is contrary to his holy character. As we seek to grow in grace, we are to think like Jesus. We are to love what Jesus loves. and We are to hate what Jesus hates. We don't have time today to go into all the things that we see going on around us that God hates. But do we have the same hatred for the evil we see? Or are we so conditioned by the world that we are indifferent to it? What about the things that the American church today tolerates? While evil is sin, not all sinful acts are done with an evil intent. That may seem contradictory, but as an example, the word sin is an archery term to mean to miss the mark. It is missing the bullseye. However, you were aiming at the bullseye. So, sin in a Christ, for a Christian means we are aiming at perfection and we miss the mark while evil is different. Evil is not just the opposite of righteousness. It is the absence of righteousness. It is the motivation behind the act that determines if it is a sin or if it is evil. When we do evil, we are not even aiming at the bullseye. Evil is done out of, out of contempt or malice with the intent of causing harm. It is completely contrary to righteousness. While all evil is sin, not all sin is necessarily evil. Sin is failing to meet God's perfect righteousness or righteous standard. Evil is an intentional effort to deny righteousness. It involves premeditation or desire to cause harm, even if not carried through. It has to do with the motive of the heart or the action. Is it a sin or is it evil? Just to clarify, evil is not just the opposite of righteousness. Evil is the lack of righteousness. It is the absence of it. It is an indifference to the holiness of God. There is not even an attempt toward aiming at the mark, but away from the target altogether. Sin and evil both miss the mark. One is done while aiming at the bullseye. The other is intended to miss the mark. We tend to use evil and sin interchangeably, 
while they both miss the mark and have the same result, only evil is done with the intention and forethought. It is the lack of righteousness. We are to cleave to those things that are good. The word cleave means to stay close to or to stick closely to what is good. We are to hang on tightly to what is good. Paul is not telling us to hate evildoers, but to hate the evil that people do. In verse 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Again, this is principally addressed to the church. We are to have the love for one another as a family, the same kind of love we have for our own family, the same kind of love we have for a brother or sister, the same love we have for our children or our parents. Love is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22-23, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In verse 10 of Romans 12, it says, To honor, preferring one another. In the NIV, it says, To honor one another above yourselves. The general idea of this text is that we should be the ones giving respect and honor to others instead of seeking honor and respect for ourselves. In verse 11, not slothful in business. The word business here is not talking about our work, career, or position. It comes from the term busyness. We should be busy in the things of God. That is our business. We need to pursue the kingdom of God diligently with a sense of urgency, fervently serving the Lord. We read in verse 12, Rejoice in hope. Regardless of what we are going through in life, we are to have a joy in our hope and be in continual prayer, having a continual connection with God. Our hope is in the promises of God. Our tribulations in this life are only for a moment in time compared to eternity. In verse 13, we read, Distributing the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. A love without hypocrisy is not only being aware of each other's needs, but to help in those needs. We are to show hospitality one to another as well as the strangers in our gates. Hebrews 13.2 Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. In Romans 12.14 Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. In some ways, this is a lot harder to do. I find it easier not to curse somebody who is persecuting me, but it is a lot harder to ask a blessing upon them. In 1 Peter 2, 19-21 from the NIV version, for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating 
for doing wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you and leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So back to Romans 12, verse 15. It says to rejoice with those who rejoice. Can we participate with others' blessings or do we envy them? There is no envy in the kingdom of God. Do we delight in others' prosperities or blessings? Do we despair and weep with others that are suffering? There were occasions written in the Bible that talk about Jesus weeping with others. One of them is when Jesus came to the house of Lazarus. And Lazarus had died. He knew he was going to raise him. But it says he wept. Jesus wept because those around him wept in sorrow for their loss. Jesus wept with them. We like to distance ourselves from pain and sorrow. It is harder to, or uncomfortable at times to weep with others than it is to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. In verse 16, be of one mind. This means more than having a doctrinal unity. It is important to have the same understanding of our faith, but there is more to being same-minded one toward another. The idea here is talking about the affection or love toward one another. We should not be focusing our care and concern toward only a small group or individuals, but as needed among the whole body of Christ. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. This should be a warning to us not to allow our ambitions to seek position or authority of esteem over others or to seek praise for our own deeds but to associate ourselves with the humble and those of low estate. In the NIV version in James 2, 1 through 4, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy gold clothes also comes in. If you so show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here is a good seat, here is a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or you sit here or sit at my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? The second part of Romans 12:16 reads, Do not be wise in your own conceit or opinions. There are times when we have conflicts with each other. But why do we have these disagreements? We are wise in our own understanding when we view Scripture or events in life based on our own experiences and knowledge. We view things through a filter of past experiences and present beliefs. We tend to reject others' views and opinions based upon our own views and ideas. We need to be open to seeing things from another person's perspective. 
This is not to say that we are to accept any viewpoint from someone else. We should be open to discussing it or looking at it from God's viewpoint, from God's perspective or God's direction. Remember, we're talking about how to treat each other with love and respect. Conflict happens because we value our own viewpoint and are not open to understanding another's views. We prefer to be right more than we prefer to accept the possibility that we may be wrong. We are told to be able to discern ideas and opinions in view of Scripture as it is relevant to God's truth. We never compromise truth. Verse 17, to repay no evil for evil. When offense is received, our tendency is to strike back, to defend ourselves or to get even. Our response to an offense or a perceived offense against us is to try and reconcile ourselves, defend ourselves or to be in the right. We strike back with hurtful words, a negative attitude or snide remarks. We want to punish the offender. Even if we do not respond verbally, we may ignore them or avoid the person because of what they've done to us. This type of response is not out of a righteous love or concern for the individual, but is a premeditated action that is evil. It is evil because it lacks any attempt to aim at the bullseye of righteousness. It is aimed at hurting or harming that individual. When we respond to an offense in a negative or vengeful way, we're not doing it out of righteousness or a righteous love or concern for that individual, but out of a selfish inward desire to avenge ourselves or pay back for the hurt done to us. This is not just a sinful act, but an evil one in the sense that it is not aiming for righteousness, but a deliberate intent to hurt or harm. This is an evil because it lacks righteousness. Our response to an offense should not be taken lightly. Revenge for evil belongs to the Lord. He says, revenge is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. It is not necessarily wrong to be offended or to take offense. We should be offended by sinful acts, evil acts, things that God is offended by. It is when we respond in a way that is intended to harm or to hurt an individual for an offense that our actions become evil. In verse 18, live peaceably with all men. If we can honestly say we are living peaceably with all men and we are people who take no offense, we may be guilty of deceiving ourselves or being wise in our own conceits. Blessed are the peacemakers. We are to live peaceably with all men as much as it depends upon us. We should not have a spirit of retaliation or revenge. If someone offends you, don't strike back. But try to live peacefully with that person. There can be both offenses given 
and offenses taken. When we are truly offended, when someone comes to us and apologizes, we are to forgive unconditionally as we are forgiven. No one owes us a repeated apology. We are still in the flesh and we will fail each other. This doesn't mean we are to be doormats. It doesn't mean that we are to allow misuse of our persons or property. It doesn't mean that people get to trample our boundaries. But genuine love is setting healthy boundaries for them and ourselves. We don't seek justice or vengeance for ourselves, but we live peaceably as much as the situation allows us to. We do our part to love without hypocrisy. In verse 19, Paul goes on here to say, Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. God has taken this for himself and only himself. His repayment will always be done in a true love and is fitting for the offense given, whereas we will always repay to a greater degree than the offense calls for. At times we repay for an offense that is not truly given, but only perceived. It would be not only a sin, but evil for us to take upon ourselves something the Lord has reserved for himself. Is revenge a bad thing? Is it an evil? If it was evil in itself, it would be evil for God. It only becomes evil for us when we take it upon ourselves something that belongs to God and God alone. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. When we feel like taking it upon ourselves to lash out or punish or to get even with others for a wrong done to us, we should be very, very, very careful. In verse 20, Instead of revenge, bitterness, and harboring resentment, Paul says, If your enemy hungers, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. When we respond to an enemy with good, you are removing yourself from the sinful act of revenge and placing the burden upon them. They will answer for God for their offense. Heaping coals of fire does not mean we are taking revenge for ourselves. An enemy can be anyone who is hostile towards you or actively opposing you or someone who has offended you. When you treat your enemy with kindness, thus treating them in a manner they are not deserving of, just like God has given us grace and forgiveness, even though we are undeserving. If they fail to repent, they heap up for themselves punishment and condemnation from God. It is not about us getting even, but about turning that person over to God. He will repay. God's vengeance is always just and appropriate to the offense. Our punishment for others tends to be far more severe than what they deserve. We are to forgive others as we have been forgiven. We are not to be like the unjust servant talked about in Matthew 18. The servant was forgiven a very large debt. And then he went out and demanded repayment of a very small debt. Because of this, 
he was punished for his unwillingness to forgive. When we receive an apology or not from someone who has truly offended us, we need to be careful how we respond to that person. Either way, it should not change the way we treat them if we were truly acting out of love and not ven or revenge. If we do receive an apology, we need to be sincere in our acceptance. Just as God removes our offenses as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. In verse 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Genuine love overcomes all evil. The three sermons now that I've given have been focused on the traits that should be evident in a life of a Christian. In the works of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we believe and teach we are saved by faith alone through Jesus Christ. While none of our works make us worthy of salvation, or even the faith that we have is given by God that no man can boast. Saving grace is free gift from God. However, we are called to good works. As in James chapter 2, where James talks about works, we are not justified by our works, but our works justify or make evidence of our faith. A true profession of faith in the receiving of the Holy Spirit will result in good works. If we see no change in our lives, in our desires, our attitudes, after we've made a profession of faith, perhaps our profession was not genuine. If we have made a true profession of faith in Jesus Christ, we will have evidence of good works in our lives. We will see changes, and others will also see changes in our lives, in our attitudes, in the things that we do, in the way that we live our lives. We are to be the light unto the world. It's not good enough to just preach the gospel to others. We must also live the gospel that they may see that God's word is true. So a genuine love towards one another in the body of Christ is the mark of a true Christian. It is the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in us to do good works, to honor each other, to care and love each other. So let us pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come before you to praise you and worship you. Thank you for the plan of salvation and the grace and the mercy you have given us. Help us to be true followers of Jesus and to have a genuine love for one another. As we leave here today, give us a faith and a strength to be a light to others. Help us not only to share the gospel, but to live it as well. Amen.